Hey guys, welcome to MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manuel Galarza. Today we're breaking down the Dana White Contender Series coming up this Tuesday evening with 8 p.m. Eastern Start Time. There's five total bouts with the headline bout being Josh Quinlan versus Logan Urban. And yes, if you're hearing that, Logan Urban is a late replacement. We'll go over each fight one at a time, give you the full breakdown, give you our favorite picks to win. And if you're betting on these fights, hopefully this information will be helpful for you. We'll jump right into the first fight of the night. Let's go. The first fight in the cards a bantamweight bout between Muin Gufudov from Tajikistan and Chad Enhelger from Canada. Enhelger is 34 years old. He's 10 and 5 overall, but 5 and 0 in his last five fights. So we're gonna have a nice little winning streak here. He's 5 foot 6 in height, but we do not have any reach numbers here on Chad. As for Muin Gufudov from Tajikistan, he's 26 years old, so eight years younger. He's 17 and 3 overall, 4 foot 4 and 1 in his last five fights. 5 foot 8 in height with 68 inch reach. So height and reach wise, we don't have all the details, but it looks like they're pretty similar. And having watched their prior fights, their physiques are similar. They're not like big Greek god looking bodybuilder kind of guys. Um, they're just in good shape. They're fairly lean guys, um, and they look like athletes, right? Put it that way. In terms of the money line here, Muin, Muin is minus 235. He's over two to two and a half to one favorite, basically, whereas Chad's coming in has a pretty big dog here, plus 190. Now, according to Tapology, Gufudov is getting a ton of the love here with 85% of the votes coming in for Gufudov. Now, that could be because he's 17 and three. He's got the Tajikistani roots. He's got that, you know, got the beard. He's Muslim. Well, you could just start making the connections to the Khabib and the Dagestani gang and all that kind of stuff. But look, Bottom line is, Muin's also fought some probably better competition here than Chad. Let's talk a little bit about that. Now, Chad, he's coming out of Champions Creed Martial Arts up there in Canada. And look, looking at his teammates, you got to look here closely to see some names you're going to recognize, especially if you're just more of a casual fan. And for him, his gym, he's got some decent guys in there. He's got Hakeem Duwadu. Um, he's, um, he's got Noah Ali. He's got Jared Evans, Matt Bagshaw. Josh Kitchen, you know, Mike Hoffer. I'm just reading the names off of the list of his teammates there at Champions Creed. And so it's a decent gym, okay? In terms of Canada, in terms of that region, yeah, he's at a good place. The guy's all over Instagram posting, you know, stuff about his rehab, his recovery, super focused. I get the impression a guy like him who's at this age, 34, he knows how important this is. He understands how important. He gets what's at stake, more so than a 26-year-old Muin, you know, um, Gufudovs, who, who, look, it's just the fact he's mid-20s. You know, your mindset from mid-20 to mid-30 changes quite a bit. So Chad knows what's on the line. He's doing all the little things. You can see that in the training. Um, he's serious about his sport. He wants this. In his post-fight interviews, you hear him talking. He's got a genuine passion for this. So when it comes to heart, if there's a heart meter, I'm giving the guy like a five out of five on the heart meter, okay? In terms of experience-wise, though, ah, you know, that, that's where he needs more experience, and he's here for that, okay? Let's look back here at Chad's recent fights and who he's coming off of wins against. All right, he beat uh, Craig McLean, all right, a guy who's five and two coming into that fight. He beat Brady Highstand. That was a pretty good win because Brady, you know, Brady's no slouch, and Brady was 4-0 coming into that fight, so that's a decent win. Now, a fight that I did watch was him versus Terrence Chan, 2018. He got a KO round one, looked pretty decent, gets the win, knocks the guy down. It's a clean W. But, you know, when you watch these fights, the one thing that I feel like is is, is sort of like a step, the, the different levels is, I feel like the guys that literally has have been in there with with, with uh, Chad and Helgeter have just don't have the same caliber as guys that Muin has fought, okay? Let's talk about Muin's gym. Muin is training at, at, training at Extreme Couture. Couture. You may have heard of it. His teammates are guys like Francis Ngannou, okay? Guys like Jeremy Kennedy, you know, guys like Justin James, 50K Dan Ige, Ben Smith, Kyle Reyes, um, you know, the, ba the Baez, uh, the husband and wife combination, Gustavo Lopez. Look, the, the list goes on. The point is, 
he's in a gym filled with a bunch of freaking very high level UFC type of guys that's got to impact, you know, his day to day training. You know, so that for, for training environment, I'm definitely giving a bump there to Mawin. We like Mawin to win the fight, but here's one of the reasons why. He's in a situation where he is training with better animals. He's training in there with better guys. So that is, you know, a factor when we're looking at the fight and saying, hey, we like him to win the fight. So in terms of prior competition, I think this is where you really are sold. And I, I think the number of minus 235 is actually a favorable number. I would not be surprised. I mean, heck, it's the weekend right now. But by Tuesday evening, when this fight takes off, that you wouldn't see Muin at like minus 300 or more. Because when people start looking closer at this guy, they're going to realize, oh, it's not that Chad and Hellinger is not a good fighter or not a good guy or doesn't want it. It's just he's in there with a guy who's 26 years old who's really making a move and probably really primed to win this spot. Look back here, 2019. At that time, okay, Muin was only 24 years old. He was 24 and he fought John Lineker, okay? He lost John Lineker in that fight back in 2019. Who's John Lineker? Who's that guy? Yeah, that's a guy who's beaten people like Brian Kelleher, Marlon Vera, John Dodson, Michael McDonald, Rob Font. You may have heard some of those names. He lost by decision to TJ Dillashaw. He lost by split decision to Corey Sanhagen. Okay, he's on a three-fight winning streak. That John Lineker. Okay, so he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with John Lineker for three rounds, and, boy, he got really cracked in round one. I'll put it out there. Moeen got cracked, but he dealt with it. He survived it. He grappled his way through, did a great job in round two, came out with a little more pressure, was, was pushing the tempo, actually actually took uh, his opponent to the ground. So, look, John Lineker's no joke. That was a good measuring stick from a win. I think at the age of 24, it was probably too soon for him, but he survived it, showed a lot, and probably learned a lot from that fight. So, when you're talking about caliber of fighters that they actually fought, hey, I mean, look, a guy like John Lineker is clearly UFC caliber, has fought and beaten guys in the UFC, and we went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the guy. So, Look, I think a guy like Mawin right now is just scratching the surface. He's a fighter who has got a lot of room to grow. He is growing. He seems very serious about the sport. You go on his Instagram, his social media, he's a lot like um, Chad and, and Hellinger. And from the standpoint, they're both posting a lot of things about recovery, training. Their, you know, their heart and their passion is all into MMA and making the most of it. I think for a guy like Mawin, though, he's got the tools, the physical tools, meaning the wrestling tools. I also think he's a little quicker than Chad. And I think partially part of the problem here with Chad is he's been fighting lower-level guys who don't have that quick twitch muscle. And you look at his fights. Look at some of the prior fights, if you could find some of them. And one of them is that, Taren, that, that, that uh, Chan fight. Man, the tempo is just different. It's like watching, like if you're watching like a middle school I don't know, girls basketball game, and then you like change the channel and go to like a college men's basketball game. Like it's just the tempo is so much different. So anyway, I think however you look at it here, Moeen, Moeen, Moeen is going to be able to beat um, Chad in every, every part of the fight, on the feet striking, in the grappling exchanges. You know, I think it, it, it could go three rounds. I do think Chad's got the heart to survive three rounds. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Mwin goes and gets to the submission of some kind. So that minus 235 of the money line right here, I love it. I've parlayed it probably way too much, okay, with some other sports like basketball. I'm sorry, not basketball. With some baseball and some football and some college ball this week. So um, I do like it. I'm going to put at least two units, $200 right straight up there on Mwin um, to win the fight. And look, if I'm off, if you don't agree, please comment on the video. Let me know what you see here. Um, I'm a North American, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from the New York City area, so Canada's not too far, and I don't want to bet against my brother if I don't have to, but I think Chad's over is going to be outmatched here. I think Mouin gets the win. I think for the UFC's purposes, a guy like Mouin would be a really great prospect to bring on in there, and he's only 26. I think that's also a big negative here. I don't know if they have like a, 
a system there where they're selecting fighters based upon you know certain ages. But you would imagine for the contender series, they're looking to have prospects that are you know prospect age you know range. This guy's 34 years old. I think kind of the edge of that prospect. He's not a heavyweight either. So it's like if he's a heavyweight, it's different. But anyway, we're on the win to win the fight. We'd like him straight up to win the fight. In terms of the you know terms of path to victory, I think by decision is the most likely path. I think definitely round two starts. So if you can find that round two prop, that I like that a lot. In terms of the full distance, you know, yeah, I like the fight go distance. I like the decision here for Mawin. I think he's going to crowd him, wrestle him. He'll do better on the, on the feet striking. And if at some point Chad does land a really hard punch and he cracks Mawin, dude's got a chin. I'm not worried about it. 26 years old. He's good. He's ready to go. So there's our pick. Mawin Gufurov to win by decision. Second fight on the card is going to be a flyweight bout between Bruno Correa from Brazil and Carlos Vergara from the United States. Carlos Vergara, who also goes by CJ Vergara, is 30 years old. He's 8-2-1 overall, 5'6 in height. He's a 69-and-a-half-inch reach. Dude's got monkey arms, almost 70-inch reach on a guy who's 5'6. It's wild, right? Bruno Correa is five, Bruno Correa, Correa. He's five foot six in height with a sixty-five inch reach, a normal reach for his height, but he's going to have a five inch reach disadvantage. We'll see how that plays out when we talk more about this fight. Correa is twelve three and one overall, four zero and one in his last five fights. We don't have any striking numbers in these guys. According to the money line, Correa is a big favorite at minus one. Well, a strong favorite at minus one eighty compared to Carlos Vergara, who's a plus one fifty five. And our evaluation of these fighters, we're giving them a very low fighter IQ rating. We're giving one out of five to Carlos Vergara. We'll talk about that more. We're giving two out of five for Bruno Correa. According to Tapology, though, Correa is a gigantic favorite, getting 86% of the votes right now coming in for Correa. Look, these fighters, it's hard to get a lot of information about them. They fought lower-level opponents. It seems as if, though, Carlos Vergara has fought the even lower-level opponents when you compare the two uh, fighters in terms of who they've been in the ring with. Let's look here at Carlos Vergara. CJ Vergara, the American, okay? He's coming off of a nice little winning streak here. He beat Jacob Silva back in uh, March. He beat Sean Solis back in 2019, Emerson Garcia. Now, that's a weird one. If you look at Tapology, and look, I'm not taking shots at Tapology. I'm, I'm thankful. Thank you, Tapology. Thank you for providing so much information to all of us for free at the click of a button, right? But Emerson Garcia, they fought in 2019, and that it says here on Tapology that that was a round two TKO or strikes or whatever that he won the fight in that manner. That's actually not what happened. Carlos Vergara, CJ Vergara, ends up going the full distance against Emerson Garcia and gets a, a draw. It's not even a win. Um, and I'm telling you, look at that. If you look at Tapology, it says Emerson Garcia two years ago that TJ beat him uh, by a TKO round two. That's not what happened, actually. If you watch the fight, it's available. We'll put the link there in the description. What ends up happening is it goes to decision, and it ends up just being a draw. The reason I, I've said that now twice, and I've repeated myself, is because who is Emerson Garcia? What kind of a, a level fighter is he? Let's look at him right now. Emerson Garcia is 2-6-1, and one, Okay. All right. <laughs> Dare I say anything more? He's never fought anything at the UFC caliber. He's fought in, you know, uh, uh, he's fought in Fury. He's lost three of his last four fights. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the quality of opponent. Now, it's weird because when you go to the tapology there for Emerson Garcia, it shows on his tapology too that he lost in 2019 his last fight by TKO to Carlos Vergara. But I'm telling you guys again, that did not happen. It was a, it was a, it was a draw, whatever. Uh, the judges couldn't figure it out. But I bring that up because Emerson Garcia, man, you know, no offense, but the guy, the record is is what it is. Sometimes the numbers are not tricking you. He's two six and one, and for Carlos Vergara to go three full rounds with the guy two years ago, 
and not be able to do much with it kind of gives you a glimpse into what's going on with Carlos. Now go back to 2018. I know it was three years ago, but you know his last loss. He lost round one LFA match, his LFA debut, round one, 54 seconds against Devin Miller. Devin Miller was two and zero coming into that fight. You know, so you know where is Devin Miller now? What's Devin Miller's record at the time? He was two and zero. Devin Miller now is he's five and two. Okay, well he's doing okay. He's doing decent. But the point is. When Carlos Vergara fights anyone who's got any kind of a ground attack, he's 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 he's, he's completely lights out. He has no ground game. He has very little ground defense in, in terms of in terms of takedown defense. But if you put him on the ground, he's on the ground. That's it. He can't get up. He has no ground game at all. His striking, I think his best striking is his leg kicks. He uses decent leg kicks when he does use them. He just doesn't use them enough. He's got some leg power. He's got some power in his legs. He's got a huge reach advantage in his arms, but his punching isn't great. It's looping. It's wild. It's not. Uh, it's off balance. Okay. If you watch his fights, he has a tendency to. It's not from fatigue because it's early in the fight. He throws big looping shots. I mean, I guess he wants to hurt the guy. It puts him off balance. He ends up turning his back to his opponent. It ends up being just very easy for someone to take him down. Now, I'm not saying that Bruno Career is going to be looking to take him down. That's not Bruno Career's game. Career's game. Bruno Career is a kicker, a striker. I get that. But I'm just giving you like sort of the, the, the how and how the style is for CJ. For CJ Vergara. He does want to make a big splash. He does want to land a big punch or a kick, but he ends up getting off balance so much, and it looks poor in the ring. It looks it looks poor from the judge's perspective, and he leaves himself wide open to get hit. Okay, so looking now at Bruno Correa, he's not like coming off of like this you know UFC five fight winning streak either. He has been fighting some questionable level opponents, guys that are okay, the Alan Ferraras, the Alfaltas, the Leon Saras, the Felipe Guiano, who he just beat back in uh, October of last year. So. You know, not a lot, but I'd like to look back at when he came into the UFC, which is back in 2015. He loses to Matthias Nicola. That was a round three loss, um, Jap Japanese necktie, um, a learning experience for him. He ends up losing his opportunity to be in the UFC, does not get a contract, gets kicked out of the UFC basically after the whole, you know, contender series run. He lost a contender series. He lost there. So, um, yeah, bottom line is, you know, he is sort of like a reborn again fighter. Let's put it that way. I think Bruno Correa comes in here. He's refocused. He's got the tools. He's got the striking ability. And dare I say, and God, if you're hearing this, if CJ Vergara hears this or anyone from his camp hears this, I'm apologizing in advance. It's not personal. I just don't see CJ Vergara as anywhere near a UFC caliber fighter right now. Could that change? He's 30 years old. Yeah, but there's just a slowness to his game. There's really deficiencies in the ground game. And so Bruno Correa, who's not a great ground fighter either, he probably could even grapple this dude if he wanted to. So I like Correa here. At minus 180-ish, I can see that also ballooning to like minus 200, minus 250 by the fight time. He's going to be favored by a lot of people. Once you start looking at the film of these guys, you start looking at their background, again, the issues become more glaring with CJ. That's when you start to really, oh my gosh, wait a second. You know, who has this guy fought? Okay, who's he losing to? Okay, you know, he, he's getting draws against guys that just have nowhere near the talent level of someone like Bruno Correa. So, I think Korea wins the fight. That's our pick to win. In terms of a specific you know, path to victory, I also like this to go to decision. They're both fairly durable guys. Um, Bruno Korea is going to kick him. He's not going to try to kick. He's not going to try to choke this guy out. CJ's pretty durable. He's not the greatest mover, but he's durable. He's got heart. This fight means a lot to both fighters. So I do see it going to decision. I like Korea by decision. Okay, the third fight up on the card is a bantamweight bout between the Brazilian Simone Oliveira 
and Jose Alde of Mexico. Alde is 29 years old. He's 14-5-1 overall with 3-2 in his last five fights. He's 5'7 in height with 70-inch reach. Currently, the money line has him as a plus-170 underdog. Now, as for Simone Oliveira, 30-year-old Brazilian, he's minus 200 in the money line. He's 17-3 overall, 4-1 in his last five fights, 5-6 in height with a 67-inch reach. So height and reach-wise, just a slight reach there advantage for all day and a slight height advantage, but I don't think it's going to be much of a factor. Um, in terms of their striking offense and defense, we don't have any numbers for that, but tapology here, the public vote, has Oliveira winning. 95% of the votes coming in right now are on Oliveira to win. We like Aldi. I think Jose Alde is coming into this fight. Perfect time for him. He's growing. He's learning. Good gym. Mexican heritage. I think he's got the pieces and the parts to get the win. Let's go into more detail here. Let's look here at Simone Oliveira, his recent fights, his fight history. Uh, let me pull that up here for a second. Okay, so Oliveira, he's coming off of these two fights here I want to talk about. He fought Farias back in 2018, a guy who was 10-3 at the time, decent fighter, and look, I just can't help but to say that Simone is like throwing everything and his mother at the guy. He's throwing jumping knees, like, you know, spinning wheel kicks, a lot of just unnecessary shit, put it that way. Um, at one point, he cracks the guy. He cuts him. Okay, Oliveira cuts Farias. It's a really bad cut. And he actually stuns the guy in round one. I mean, round one arguably could have gone to Simone in that fight. But he's doing all this extra stuff. And then whenever he gets taken down, he can't get up. Okay, so what ends up happening in this fight is Farias wins the fight, bleeding all over the place. He's bleeding the whole time. But he's got top control, position control. And then you got this guy, Oliveira, who's jumping around, doing like, I think at one point, he attempts like four or five jumping flying knees in one round. Like, you calm down, dude. So he loses the fight just because of fighter IQ, not using his head, allowing the guy to get him down the ground and not getting back up. Okay, another fight, 2016. I know it's a while ago, but looking for the fights that we can really see the full measure of the fight. Decent opponent versus Piazza, a guy who was 12. He's 12 and 9. Okay, that's that's who he's fighting. Guy who's 12 and 9. 2016, fight was five years ago. He wins the fight by round three TKO. Um, and it was an embarrassing end to the fight. At the end of the fight, he goes up to the guy. He's on the ground. He's hitting him. He just walks away from the dude. He just walks away, does like a circle of the ring, and the guy's like slowly getting up. The referee's like, listen, you got to get up to keep fighting. He's telling Piazza, you got to get up. So finally, Piazza, after like almost 30 seconds, gets to his feet, and then here comes uh, Simone, comes right over, hits him, two, three combination, leg kick, fight ends. So, you know, he likes that. He, he wants to fight this way. This is the way that um, Oliveira wants to fight. He wants to be throwing, you know, flying knees, spinning heel kicks, heel, heel, heel kicks, spinning fists, all this exciting stuff. It, it, it has its moments. It has its moments, and it can be helpful at times. But overall, you know, it's also got its, it's, also got its downfalls. You're wasting energy. You're not hitting the guy. You're throwing wild punches, but you're not hitting anybody. So, you know, I, I don't love that. Um, as for Alde... Let's look here at some of his recent fight history. He's coming off of a fight 2019 against Sanchez, all right? He goes ahead and he loses that fight via decision, okay? And that's a tough one. That's a tough one. What ends up happening in that fight is he gets knocked down round one early. He does come back and ends up making the fight close, but that round one knockdown really cost him. Um, and unfortunately, he's able, you know, just unable to overcome it. But it is a good fight. He does go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. He shows a good chin. He shows durability. And look, Sanchez is not the worst fighter in the world. What's Sanchez's record here? Look, uh, he was 12-5 and five at the time. He's 13-5. and five. Eh, he's okay. You know what I mean? He's not terrible. He's not like the guy we were just talking about here that uh, Simone was fighting. All right, his prior fight that we have here, um, 
look back at Gonzalez back in 2019, okay? So back in 2019, Jose Alde fights Juan Pablo Gonzalez. He wins the fight by decision. And here's where if you want to look and be nitpicky about issues that I have with Jose Alde is why couldn't you put this guy away? Why were you playing with your food? It was a decision win. He won the fight, but it was much closer than it should have been. It was 30-27, I think, on the score um, for two judges on the scores there. And one judge had 29-28. But Gonzalez is like, you know, like out of shape guy. You know, he's not UFC caliber. This is going to be a problem for a guy like Jose Alde, even if he were to win this fight. Even if he does get a contract, you know, this is a two-year-ago fight. And he was still at the age of that point where he still should have been like kind of approaching his prime. And he goes in there, messes around with the guy. He wins by decision. His next fight against, you know, Joe B. Sanchez, we just talked about, he loses that fight by decision. His prior fight before Gonzalez, he lost that fight. Round one got knocked out by Gustavo Lopez. So, look, there's issues with Alde. Don't get me wrong. Like, there's there's plenty of holes in his game. But what I do like about him, let's talk about where he trains, okay? Jose Alde trains at Team Astra, okay? Who's in that gym? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Entram Gym. Entram Gym. That's E-N-T-R-A-M. If it doesn't ring a bell, I'll give you one of the names in that gym that might... Uh, jump out to you uh that would be uh brandon moreno brandon moreno that's one of his teammates so you're talking about a mexican heavy gym almost every single guy in that gym is mexican the mexican fighters have a ways to go for for mma that's why brandon moreno is the only and first ever ufc champion that has mexican heritage but these guys are grinders that environment is growing the girls in the gym are doing very well the coaches know what they're doing brandon moreno is probably obviously bringing a whole lot of energy to the gym as well that mexican heritage is real they have a lot of pride a lot of cultural pride. So that's a good training environment. And I like that training environment over Astra, okay, where we've got uh, Simone fighting at, so, or Simone training at. So Simone Oliveira is fighting at an Astra fight team, which is down in Brazil. And look, Brazil's got, you know, it's a hotbed for talent, okay? But it's not the gym down there, okay? It's got a lot of guys in there. I think every single guy, I'm every fourth name, his last name is Silva. Hilarious, right? It's like the most popular name in Brazil. But I was looking at this list of teammates and nothing really pops out. Like there's no names. There's no like brand names that are like, oh, he's fighting with this guy or he's training with this guy. No. But I just decided to pull up one of the guys in his gym. This guy's name is Julio Cesar Neves, one of his teammates, right? I pull up his fighter, you know, history, whatever. This guy's 35, 1 and 0. <laughs> How can you be 35, right? He's 35, 1 and 0, his MMA record. Never heard of him. He never even got close to a UFC fight. He fought in Bellator back in the day, lost a fight 2015 in Bellator to Jordan Parsons, uh, round three triangle choke. So, like, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I know it's not, it shouldn't be the full indicator here of Simone, uh, Simone Oliveira, but, like, if you're training in a gym with guys who are 35 and 1 and 0 and never even heard of them, like, it just kind of makes me question that environment. You know, what's that environment like? And in a fight like this, I'm looking for the little details. I'm looking for the smallest details as to how I can figure out which way would I wager. And so when you look at this money line again, let's get back to it. The money line here is minus 200 for Simone Oliveira, an undisciplined fighter who throws a bunch of stuff you don't need, okay, who, looking at his recent fight history, who has he beaten? You know, you got to ask the question, like, who has he beaten? He has four wins in a row against guys in Cesario MMA, MTK, Pancras. Like, these are the promotions he was fighting in. Watarua Mimura, like these are the names of the guys he's beating. Jefferson Bastos, Batista, Dehora. Like, does he have a single win on his career that's a notable win? Don't think so. I don't think so. And so, yeah, it's nice that he's got the flashiness. He dyes his hair blonde and stuff like that. Brazilian heritage. 
But I think what you're going to have here is a good old-fashioned, like, toe-to-toe match. I like that Jose Alde does the prototypical Mexican thing of walking down his, his opponents. It's a very Mexican trait, okay? If you watch Mexican fighters boxing, they just walk. They, they don't balance on their feet. They don't, they don't circle their opponent. They walk down their opponents. They corner them off. Very atypical of the legendary Julio Cesar Chavez, who would just corner his guys. And eventually, after 12 rounds of doing that, people, they lose their legs. They eventually succumb to the pressure. He corners them and beats the hell out of them. Well, this is only a three-round fight. But what I do like about Jose Alde, if it's, if it's a close fight, he's the one moving forward. Now, Simone Oliveira is going to be all over the place. This guy's going to be doing all kind of crazy shit. And if he lands something crazy, well, the knockout of the night. It'll look great. But I'm going to go more on my, my gut here. I think Alde, who's training in a tough Mexican gym, is going to walk him down. Be a nice dog here. We're going to catch a nice dog on this one. So just going back here, back around, at plus 170, we like Alde to win. It's not a dog or pass. We like him to win the fight. I think the money line is off. I think Simone Oliveira is getting a little bit of a you know push here. Maybe because he's Brazilian. Maybe because of the 17-3 record. Maybe because he's got a four-fight winning streak. Heh, who knows? But I like Alde to win the fight. And there's your breakdown. Okay, we're up to the co-main event. We've got a middleweight bout between the Brazilian 24-year-old Mario Souza and 32-year-old Chidi Ninjukwani from the United States. Ninjukwani is 19-7 overall, 2-3 in his last five fights, 6-3 in high with an 80-inch reach. He's a slight dog here at plus 100. We like Mario Souza, though, to win the fight at minus 120 on the money line. He's 12-1 overall, 5-0 in his last five fights, 6-3 in height with a 79-inch reach. So size-wise, they're pretty much identical. Experience-wise, big favor to Chidi. In terms of their fighter IQ, we're giving Chidi a 2 out of 5 in the fighter IQ. We're giving Mario 1 out of 5. We'll talk more about that here as we break down the fight. Now, we like Mario to win the fight. We like him to win a few different ways. According to Tapology, Sosa's also the favorite, getting 79% of the votes right now coming in for Sosa. How can Sosa win the fight? Well, I think he could submit uh, Ninjaquani. And Ninjaquani, if you look at his fighter history, he's coming off of two losses in his last three fights. And one of those losses against John Salter in 2018, he got rear naked choked in round one. Okay, Souza's most most uh, dangerous tactic that he poses against any other opponent he's facing is a submission. He likes to submit people. Matter of fact, here's why he's getting a 1 out of 5 in the fighter IQ rating. The dude gives up position for submission attempts constantly. He's that guy who you're on the feet, and he like, falls to his back to go for a guillotine. And it's like, ah, oh, man, it only looks good when it works. When it doesn't, when it doesn't work, and you're on your back for like two minutes, and you're losing a round because of the position... It's like, damn, dude, I've seen fights, I'm not kidding you, where Sosa has given up position for submission attempts three to four times in one damn round. And it's like, you have dominant position. You don't have to do this. You have to win the fight. You can't get submissions all the time. So that's my biggest concern with Sosa. Um, second biggest concern with Sosa is his stand-up game. He stands very tall. If he faces a very good ground-and-pound guy who will wrestle him, he's going to have some issues. That's not this opponent here. There's two issues in his game. Again, his ability to give up position all the time for submission attempts and standing very tall and long and like easy to grab his legs when he's on his feet, which won't pose a problem for this fight. Now, looking back at some of his recent fights, again, he doesn't show much of anything. He hasn't fought anybody very good, so we don't know what he's capable of. This is going to be a good measure for him, but look, I do. here's what I do like about Sosa. His submissions are nasty. <laughs> the dude's got long arms. If he gets his hands around your neck, if he gets his legs around your triangle... He's going to hurt you. And if you look at his recent fight history, you can see what his last few wins. He wins by decision against Mariusz, but then against uh, Cuérez, triangle choke. Against uh, Diaz, armbar. Against Santos, 
uh, round one KO, TKO. So three of his last four wins, he's on a five-fight winning streak, he finishes the guys. So he's got some finishing ability, which I like. He's got some submission ability, which I like. He's training at an okay gym. It's not a notable gym. And the same thing for uh, Chidi Ninjukwani. So they're both fighting at okay gyms. Nothing to write home about. Look, this is going to be an interesting fight. You've got a guy who's 24 who really should be the guy who wins. I mean, he does have the talent against a guy who's like, hey, man, this this is like it for you. If you don't if you don't make it out of the contender series and get a UFC contract, you're probably never going to get a chance for UFC. Now, a big concern I have with Chidi, and I, I, had a point, I have to point this out, and it's... Maybe it's not fair, but it's just a reality. I got to point it out. So Chitty fought Rafael Carvalho, okay, back in 2019. A Bellator is a Bellator 224, okay? He lost the fight to Rafael by decision, 2019. All right, whatever. What's the big deal with it? Well, the big deal is that Rafael, Rafael Carvalho, look up his tapology. It, it's not good. <laughs> the guy has lost three fights in a row. He's lost five of his last six fights. Who was the one win? Yeah, you guessed it. He beat Chitty in Jaquani back in 2019 via decision at Bellator 224. So he had just lost against Gagard Musasi. Okay, that's not a bad loss for Rafael. Then loses a 2018 split decision to Leota Machida. <laughs> so then he goes in against Chitty, wins against the Chitty. Next fight against Vadim Nemkov loses. Against Alex Polizzi loses. Against Loren, Lorenz Larkin loses. So the dude's losing against all these guys, but he gets in there with Chitty and he wins. Yeah, that's not that's not <laughs> that's not a good sign for someone like Chitty, where it's like, look, you know, the guy's losing against everyone, and you step in there, and he gets a dub. So, look, I have a hard time, a real hard time, trying to like convince myself how Chitty Njuquani is going to win this fight. This to me is a classic case of a younger fighter who I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm mean, this this how I say this I'm pretty sure the people that are directing and producing this kind of thing, you know, the writers. The underwriters, all the different people behind the scenes. This is for Mario Sosa to win the fight. They need Mario Sosa to win. Get the contract, 24 years old. Put him out there. Maybe he doesn't go too far, but that's fine. What are you going to do with Chidi Ninjaquani? Guy's 32 years old. So I, Those two fighters in the card tonight, Chidi Ninjaquani, 32 years old, and Chad and Helliger, I think they are so like behind the eight ball with this because I feel like if both those fighters fight a close fight, they're gonna, they're gonna knock. their number one. If they fight a close fight, with win or lose, they're not gonna get a contract. <laughs> and secondly, if they fight a close fight, they just might get, they might get, they might get, they might get screwed, you know, out of the decision. So, yeah, don't like it. And for that reason, I'm picking Mario Sosa to win. Now, from a betting perspective, I don't have a lot of confidence here. A one out of five in the fighter IQ rating is for a reason. I think Mario Sosa can easily lose this fight. I think he easily could lose two rounds by doing silly things, putting himself on the back. Chasing submissions. You know, he's got that. Uh, I can't remember the name of the Georgian fighter, but you probably think of it when I'm saying it. He's the guy who's like the, the Georgian fighter who's always going for heel hooks. Uh, he's on a bit of a winning streak right now. Or maybe not winning streak, but he's doing okay. The point is, guys who chase heel hooks, guys who chase submissions that they can't get, it's just it's a recipe for disaster. Okay, you got to win the match. Points matter. Position control matters. So for Souza, yeah, I can't back this guy. Money-wise, and the minus 120, it's almost a pick him. Can't back him. For Chitty Ninjaquani guys, or people who like Chitty Ninjaquani, yeah, I, give me an argument. Post it here. Give me a comment. Re rebuttal, rebuttal this video. Let me know which way, shape, or form do you see Chitty winning the fight? Because I do give him the experience advantage. There's no question. There's no question. Experience advantage. And that goes a long way. We've seen that show up in fights. So, But I think Mario Sosa, at 24, 
Last time he fought to this time has been, you know, a, a growth for him. Younger fighters tend to make bigger changes when they're younger. So I like what I see from him. He's a slight favorite. I uh, will not be betting it, but I'm choosing Mario Sosa to win the fight. Let's move on to the next and the last fight of the night. Okay, guys, we have the main event here, a welterweight bout between two American fighters. We've got Josh Quinlan, who's 28 years old, and Logan Urban, the late replacement, who's 27 years old. Now, Urban's coming into this fight as a big dog, almost plus 300 at plus 285. He's 5'1 and 1 overall, 6 foot in height. We have no reach numbers on, on him. Josh Quinlan is 28 years old. He's a minus 350 coming to this fight, 5 and 0, oh, so he's undefeated and he's 6 foot in height. We've given both fighters a 1 out of 5 in the fighter IQ rating, which is more indicative of the fact that these guys have very little experience. It's not because they're dumb fighters, but when you've fought like five, six fights, it's kind of hard to get a you know a good grasp on your fighter IQ rating, if you know what I'm saying. So looking at topology, Josh Quinlan is the big favorite, getting 93% of the votes coming in for Quinlan. I think that's more because of the fact, again, Logan Urban is a late replacement. Now, Logan Urban is fighting the Ohio regional scene, okay? And I'm, I'm forgive me if you're from Ohio. I'm not trying to take shots at you guys, but there's certain regions of the country like, for example, Pennsylvania, shout out to PA, where I'm from, you know, New Jersey, that scene. Um, there's certain pockets where they have some good regional fighting. And Ohio's probably not terrible. It's not too far from our, our area, our neck of the woods. But it's not like he's been fighting world beaters, okay? He's been fighting a regional scene in Ohio. He's in a last-minute call to come up here and fight a guy like Josh Quinlan. I don't think there's much of a chance for Urban to win the fight. Now, anything's possible because it's an MMA bout. So, of course, he could do something. And Josh Quinlan has been cracked, okay? If you watch some of his fights, he's hittable. Not the best head movement, okay? He's tough. He's durable. He's going to walk you down, move forward. And that's probably why he wins more times than he loses because he's going to walk down his guy. He can take a punch. He's going to be aggressive. His lower leg kicks are brutal. All right, so if Logan Urban does not prepare for the lower leg kicks, that's going to be a problem. Josh is going to cut him down. Now, I do want to mention the, the original fight was against Weeks. So Josh Quinlan's going to fight Weeks. Man, that was going to be a tough one. And I was... I was I was going back and forth between Weeks and Quinlan, but now this is different here. Okay, Josh Quinlan is the much more prepared fighter. I'm sorry, Logan Urban or any of the Logan Urban like supporters out there. Like you're the meat man, you're the meat hanging out there, and Josh didn't kick the shit out of that meat. Okay, I mean it just is what it is. But I give the dude a lot of respect if he's been ready and he's been training and he's, you know, okay maybe he could do something here. But again, it's going to be tough. Josh Quinlan is a very 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 uh, tough dude. Like you're gonna, he's the kind of guy where. You could tell from his first few fights, he's got a chin, number one. He's not going to go down with one punch, okay? He's very durable. He's thick, just the way he's built. Um, so we haven't really seen him tested, though. So if you want to take a flyer on Logan Urban, just like, hey, I'm in shot in the dark, go gamble. Go gamble on it. I'm not looking to gamble in this fight. I'm looking to go where I think I'm pretty sure the money's going to go. Josh Quillen is going to be a parlay favorite for me on this card. I don't want to bet straight up minus 350. I'm not going to put $350 out there to make $100. So I'll parlay Josh Quillen. I'll probably parlay him with... Uh, let's see. Gotta love the uh, the Muin Gufarov. I mean, I like him so much. So I would parlay him with Muin. You, know, you parlay that minus 235 with that minus 290, and you're getting probably almost even money. So I like those two together. Um, and, of course, Muin is my favorite pick on the, on the entire card. So, anyway, we're on Josh Quillen to win this fight. Just a summary here on our picks. We like Josh Quillen to win. We like Mario Sosa to win. We like uh, our buddy here, Jose Alde. As our dog of the night at plus 170, like him to win. We'd like Bruno Correa to win. And we like Muin Agafarov to win. And again, the parlay that we would, uh, I guess, we could do a three-leg parlay. Parlay would be Muin Gufarov. It would be Jose Alde. And it would be, actually, no, no, that's a, that's a dog. I would go with, uh, let's say, Mario Souza minus 120. 
Josh Quillen minus 290, and then Muin Gufarov at minus 235. That would be a three-leg parlay. And then a two-leg parlay would be Gufarov with pretty much anybody. Um, Gufarov is such a solid pick here. I think that minus 235 has got a lot of value on it. Probably by game time or fight time, it's going to swell out of control because people are going to get a hold of everything we're telling you about. The guy's got a lot of skills. He's very good, and he's going to definitely move to 18-3. and three. He's a player. He's going to get a contract uh, on Tuesday night, I believe. So anyway, that's the breakdown, guys, for Dana White's Contender Series Week 2. If you liked the breakdown, if it was helpful for you, please hit the like button. Subscribe. If you have any comments or suggestions, please do that too. Leave comments. Share. Um, criticize. You know How can we be better at this? I, I'm always down for feedback. We want to grow the channel. We're not selling anything here. We're just providing free information about MMA, upcoming events, picks and predictions. But uh, again, we're not trying to sell anything, but any feedback you can provide, I would love it. I really would greatly appreciate it. So anyway, thanks for tuning in. Um, good luck on Tuesday night. Again, as we said at the beginning of the show, it's pretty barren here the next week or so. We got Contender Series this Tuesday and then next Tuesday. And then after that, we'll resume some UFC Fight Night and Bellator, whatever else. So there's a little bit of a break here. Of course, UFC being so smart with their schedule, man, they've captured the audience. We've got Tuesday night. On a Tuesday night, we're doing UFC MMA stuff. So anyway, good luck on it, guys. I wish you the best. If you're not betting and you're just watching it, enjoy the fights. Enjoy the fights. I hope the people you're rooting for win. Take care.